Welcome to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Welcome to the show. Today's show is supported by Alpine Specialists, Alp Cycles. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast with Aid Hill yet, episode 10, definitely worth checking that out and do get in touch with them for all your Alpine cycling needs. Today's episode, we're talking Everesting and in particular, world records. It's been fantastic to see so many national and world records smashed over the lockdown period. And for a lot of people with the absence of racing, it's been quite refreshing to to follow something. Obviously, the guardians of, of Everesting, Hells 500, never really intended Everesting to be a competitive thing. In fact, I suppose it was absolute opposite of competition and the ethos of what they were trying to create. But having seen all these records, they themselves have acknowledged that it's been fantastic to sit back and watch athletes give it a crack. With all the records moving and changing so quickly, Despite this conversation that we're about to publish today being recorded only a week ago, there's been numerous changes. But when we had this conversation, Lachlan Morton had had just completed his first attempt before he redid it in the last couple of days with his new world record of 7 hours, 29 minutes and 57 seconds. And I just think that he's a total legend of the sport when he was faced with yeah a result that didn't sit right with regards to to the altitude climb. Rather than moaning, he just got up and did it again, which I think is testament to him. I'm joined by Hannah Rhodes. Hannah is, I suppose, well known within the Grand Fondo scene. Absolute, unbelievable climber. And a couple of weeks ago, she smashed by over 50 minutes the world women's world Everesting record. And at the same time, she took the UK Everesting record. So beating all the men as well, which is absolutely staggering and just incredible achievement. And we basically have a good conversation with her to find out all the details of the, of the ride itself and how she did it. But since then, her record was first broken on the same climb, the UK record, by a gentleman named Tom Stevenson. So well done, Tom. Superb effort. And I understand as recent as just a couple of days ago, Mason Hollyman, I think I've got that right, just set a new UK record in 8 hours and 47 minutes and 15 seconds. So chapeau to both those gentlemen. As you'll hear, Hannah is thinking about giving another crack. I'm not sure if that second one has put it out of sight. But regardless, her effort for the women's world record is quite staggering. We have a brilliant chat around just her preparation, how she went about it, her nutrition and everything else. She's competed in a number of Grand Fondos, winning Grand Fondos all across Europe and she plans to travel with her boyfriend who also joined us on the call briefly Rory Grant but Rory's won five Hout routes and had some podiums in some of the biggest Grand Fondos in Europe and and further afield actually he's been on the podium in Taiwan KOM as well and as a couple they are absolutely incredible climbers and uh, a lovely couple too so we will be speaking to to Rory in, in a future episode but today it is mainly catch up with with Hannah to hear about her effort and we really hope you will enjoy the conversation Anyway, without further ado, let me bring you the UK's world record Everesting women's holder, Hannah Rhodes. So today on the show, I'm delighted to be joined by Hannah Rhodes, who set the new Everesting world record for women just a couple of weeks ago. And at the same time, she smashed the UK record, which was has just been beaten a couple, couple of days ago. Is that right? Yeah, a couple of minutes um, on the exact same climb. Someone called Tom Stevenson. Right, that seems <laughs> that's that seems very unfair. So you're gonna have to go and do it again now. 
Yeah, I was I was kind of hoping for a little bit more time to relax and eat takeaway and drink beer. Um, but yeah, I guess I ought to get back to some form of training. <laughs> well, there seems to be everything records sort of dropping all around the world. It's, it's been brilliant to watch during lockdown. But before we, we go on to that, let's let's rewind a little bit. And um, I think wh- why don't we kick things off by sort of telling everyone a little bit more about your your cycling background and then we can sort of work towards how we got to this Everesting attempt. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. So when when did you pick up the bike? What's your sort of obviously got a, a strong strong background on the bike? Tell tell us about when you started cycling and and how you figured out that you're pretty good at it. Oh gosh, well I'm I'm hoping that you're not asking me to remember exact dates, but when no, I, was, no, no, no. <laughs> I was really into I got quite into fell running when I was like about nineteen. Um, okay. and I ended up getting pretty injured doing that. So a couple of years later, got into triathlon and realised that what I actually was quite good at was riding the bike um, because running kept making me injured and I didn't really have the upper body strength for swimming. Yeah, so you just carried on carried on the cycling piece? Yeah, yeah, it turns out that the running tra- translates very well to riding quite well uphill. It, it took me a while to get better at the flat stuff. So that was quite a natural transition. In fact, that's quite that's interesting because you see a lot of a lot of runners sort of transition quite nicely onto the bike, particularly if they're climbers, right? Yeah, um, a lot of the a lot of the good times on the segments in the UK for women are set by actually set by runners, not cyclists. Really? Uh, yeah, they're really tough. Interesting. So you transitioned onto the bike, and and did you do much in the on the race side of things, or what? What? How did things progress? Well, I'm not not really that into the UK racing. I got I yeah. got into hill climbing really to begin with, and then the natural progression was to start doing a bit of women's UK road racing, and I did that for like a year. And I just I'm I'm not very good at it. Um, I can always make it to the end, but if there's more than like ten people there at the end, I'm I'm about five hundred yards back on the sprint. <laughs> <laughs> so Rory introduced me to Honda racing abroad, which I'm a lot more suited to. Great, so you've got that the, the big turbo, the big um, the big diesel engine rather than yeah. the sort of punch yeah, well, you seem to have a very strong one of those as well. So you you did some Grand Fondo racing abroad. Obviously, you've been very successful on in the some of the Hout Route series. For for those that don't know, talk, talk everyone through a those events and and b the success you've had there. And I, and I know that Rory's there as well. So we should probably introduce Rory at this stage because you've also had a bit of success in the Hout Route. Yeah, hello. Three years ago, I started in the Dolomite um, when that used to be one of their week long events. And Hannah actually came out with me for the for the opening weekend of that. And uh, I remember we agreed at the time that it would be quite cool if we sort of did one, did one together, and hopefully win one together. So the following year, we both did the Pyrenees event. What was that? 2018, probably. Yeah. Um, so did the Pyrenees in 2018 together and both won it, which was, and uh, yeah, just not really looked back. Obviously both. Oh, wow. I've got a bit of an echo there. I don't know if you can hear that. Obviously both very suited to the, to, to climbing, both both climbers you mentioned you were in lockdown in the peak district obviously a good time to train is that how did the idea of doing an Everest come around Hannah um I just kind of fell into it when we came back to the peak district I've been trying to quit cycling for a while but during lockdown there just isn't that much else to do so I kind of fell into it as a healthy alternative just eating and drinking and it turns out if you fall into it with your boyfriend who is a very good cyclist himself you're going to end up going on quite a lot of long hard rides so the yeah, other you had like a, a personal motor pacer yeah <laughs> she, she also she loves the suffering 
Regardless of what she might say, she does love to suffer. Well, she must do to, to set that time, but we'll come on to that in a sec. So I, I know that you, you've, you've got quite a mathematical background, if, if I'm right in saying, haven't you? Did you, what taught me to the science of, of picking the segment Kirkstone Pass in the Lake District? What, how did you decide that that was going to be the hill that you attacked the record on? Um, well, it was not, not overly, it wasn't overly technical. Like I didn't do anything really fancy. We just kind of picked out a few things that were going to be key and then did a bit of exploring on the Strava segment search. So obviously you want something that's pretty, you want something that's pretty straight um, for the descent. I wasn't quite sure about what the ideal gradient would be. So I more went off how close I could be to the, how much time I could have on the one and still be within the 10 hours which was the women's record at the time um Kirkston Pass looked pretty good for it yeah so Kirkston Pass is 10.9 percent is it yeah I had a, I've had a look since actually and um, well since my record was broken and I got the 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 climbing is quite a lot quicker the steeper that gets so the the top half of Kirkston Pass is significantly steeper than that and for the same power I was getting significantly more climbing per second on each of my reps so maybe pick a slightly steeper climb next time yeah do you think that's a do you think that's a personal thing down to the individual athlete because I noticed that obviously Lachlan Morton smashed the world record for the men yesterday and he that was an 11% climb as well but I wonder if there is a, a deviation depending on what kind of athlete you are yeah, I'm not sure. I think that maths would would be quite a lot more complicated to do than the, the very basic analysis that I did choosing my climb. Yeah, okay. Again, a little, a little bit like uh, Lachlan Morton, it wasn't actually, you weren't actually planning on doing the record attempt that day, were you? Was it, it was more of a recce ride? Am I right in saying that you went up to the Lake District with your, with your dad? Yeah, I'm not really great with pressure. So the pressure was kind of starting to build in my head. I went with the intention that I would, that if I was feeling good, that I'd like carry on. And do yeah, it. okay, fair enough. So you obviously did it and did it very well. Now, I've asked a few people a number of questions and people have all sorts of questions that, that we want to get into in terms of nutrition and, and the importance of descending. But the question I have is on an event like that, you were pretty much solo. What are you thinking about for nine hours and, and eight minutes what's going through your head <laughs> it's funny because well Rory says that I just have an incredibly high boredom threshold but as a person I actually spend quite a lot of time thinking yeah during an Everest attempt you actually like during a hard Everest attempt you don't get a lot of time to think which is an odd thing to say because you're out on the bike for nine and a half hours but to be honest most of the time you're just thinking about when that repetition of the climb is going to be over Wow. I'm just trying to think about it mentally. So you, are you sort of trying to break it down into, okay, just got to get this halfway up and then to the top and then get back down and sort of just break each segment down bit by bit? Yeah, I was kind of, the, the, the first half of it isn't so bad because it wasn't so steep. The, the second half is quite a bit harder and it's the second half. So for quite a lot of the second half, I was just waiting for the climb to be over. Yeah. And then I guess it's like, break it I was more breaking it down into well I've done two hours so I've got like yeah I've got seven to to nine hours did I actually spend a little bit of time doing the maths in my head as well like whether I was on pace or not so yeah I spent a little bit of time doing maths yeah great well that probably distract me trying to do maths in my head for nine hours that'd be a nightmare so and again also I read that 
the descending is an important part of setting a good time is that something you considered prior and and how important a part of your Everesting attempt was the speed of the descents I definitely uh, it I knew that I had like a reasonable amount of time to play with within sort of the first two hours of my attempt and like the more that the time went on the more I knew what was important was not cracking and um, I probably could have saved seconds at like 10 seconds of time on the descent but because I knew I'd got more time it wasn't in my head so much as it would be in someone like 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 Black Lamortian's head if when the time yeah okay it's interesting you're you're basically constantly managing yourself throughout the effort aren't you there's there's many things to consider It's, it's such a long effort that people don't normally do such long efforts that you're constantly sort of tweaking your expectations or managing it's it's mastering managing yourself through the time I suppose isn't it yeah I've had I've had shorter effort this is going to sound weird but I've had shorter efforts which have felt longer like if I've got a really big if I've got a really big ride with Rory and I know I'm going to be out for like seven hours that's really long and I'm like managing how I'm going to feel for the next two hours and when the cafe stock is going to come and how I'm going to cope with the last two hours when Rory isn't tired and I am but because because this yeah. is such a constant effort, there's there's less of that almost. You've kind of you've got a better sense of how you're gonna feel in the next two hours because well, you're just gonna do the climb eight times. Yeah. How many how many reps was it for you in the end? It was 27, 26? Oh, that's slightly dodgy reporting. It was 30, 37? 37 oh my word okay so you were you were someone dodgy reporting and taking 10 reps off you that's a bit gutting but uh, 37 reps okay it's a cycling weekly mm-hmm. can take the credit for that cycling weekly and Villa UK I think cycling weekly um copied the error from Villa UK so yeah oh GCN picked up on it afterwards as well see that that's how fake news spreads isn't it yeah. <laughs> um, so Hannah, tell me the other thing that, that I find interesting on these these big Everesting events is your did you have a nutrition strategy or are you just trying to eat as much as you can? What what did you eat and how did you pace that? Um yeah, I actually had a spreadsheet. <laughs> I knew I'd I I knew that probably the most that I could fit in was like sixty to ninety grams of carbohydrate per hour. And that yeah. I would probably recommend testing that rather than just guessing, which is what I did. I aimed, yeah. I, I like set up a spreadsheet and put in everything that I was going to eat and then checked that about every hour I'd be in like 70 to 80 grams of carbohydrate. Okay. Um, and then I just kind of packed that into a box and into my back pocket to put it at the bottom of the climb um, and tried to eat something every two reps. It was actually more difficult than, yeah, than I expect. I love eating, but I just felt so sick the entire time. Yeah, it's that difficult balance, isn't it? You know you need to eat, but it's probably the last thing in the world you feel like doing. Yeah, that 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 started to get quite difficult towards the end. Towards, yeah, I can well imagine. Forcing yourself almost. Yeah, towards the end I had like this big packet of Haribo's, which normally I would love to eat, and I thought I was just going to get through at the end. And I felt like I'd eaten so many of them, but looking back, the packet is like almost full. Yeah, I didn't manage to get very many down at all. Yeah. And, and talk us through the, the weather on the day. Did you have good conditions for it? 
Yeah, quite a few of the Everesting attempts recently have been done on quite hot days, which was something that I was aiming to not do because I know that I don't deal well with the heat anyway. And yeah. Everesting attempt is hot. Like every single, like most of the time you're working at such an intensity that you're generating so much body heat. So I think it was like overcast and probably about 12 degrees for me. And I was still like so, so hot. And wind wise did you have a favorable wind or it was didn't really come into play i picked a day that had a slight tailwind i was going to wait yeah. for a better tailwind for my attempt well i'm sure tom stevenson had a better tailwind have you checked <laughs> i think he didn't actually i think he might have had well it's difficult to know in the valleys how the wind's getting like funneled through i think it was an easterly on the day which might get funneled into a tailwind um okay I don't want to give away too many trade secrets, but I, I want to talk through some of the things that you learn for people that are listening that might be keen to give her an Everesting attempt, even if it's not for a record. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you, we spoke offline before and you said maybe you might give, give another attempt a go in a couple of months just to try and get that UK record back again. Mentally, would you pick the same hill? Could you pick the same hill? Yeah, I think I could definitely pick the same hill and there'd be pros to doing that because I know now how I would pace it. I know that I yeah. wouldn't set off at like 10 and a half minute climbs and end up at 12 and a half minute climbs and aim for somewhere in the middle and I know that that effort would be about right. Okay, wow. Well, that's an incredible mental fortitude to, to go back to the scene of the crime and give it another go again. I'm not sure I could bring myself to do that. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are things that I'd do slightly differently with the climb. Um, I'd pick a slightly different segment because I think I ended up doing 36.2 reps for the climb. I'd pick a segment okay. to let me do exactly 37 and was had a slightly steeper average. Okay, cool. Yeah, you mentioned that steeper average. So if we if we talk about people that, because uh, I think it's a great thing to do. I need to do an Everest, basically. Everyone should give it a go, particularly if lock, lockdown continues. But what, what are your top tips for people of all abilities who are thinking about maybe giving an Everest thing a go? Oh, you've got me here because I was going to put out my own video <laughs> doing my top 10 tips. So oh, okay. I can't, I can't give away all of my secrets right now. <laughs> okay, well give us give us give us one one good tip for for someone or or how would you persuade someone then to think about giving an Everesting a go? I'll give you my top three because I think that these are probably the most important ones. Um, I'd pick a steep climb and like make sure your gearing is right for that steep climb because that's going to make a massive difference. If you've got a steep enough climb, you, you're going to be out there for so much less time. And if you've got yeah. the right gearing, it isn't going to hurt any more than a shallow climb. Yeah. What what gearing were you using for your attempt? Um. Well, I don't. I'm not really very good on my own bike stuff because other people do it. But I've been told this morning, 34 at the front, 30 at the back. Okay. Fair enough. Yet. Yeah. And I would have cool. liked. I think slightly, slightly higher for that would have been. Uh, sorry, bigger at the back. I think 32 would have been better because I've. I was feeling that I was grinding at the top and I've also looked back at my cadence data and I was for that top section where I was doing really well for height pain per second. I was down at like 45 RPM, for okay, 50 yeah. miles, which hurts. 37 times, that's going to hurt a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, blimey, that's pretty tough. What, what, what other top tips can you, uh, you can recommend for people? Um, you may have guessed this one from what I previously said, but pick a cool day. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, nothing too, nothing too hot. Because that's yeah. just going to add add to the pressure, right? 
Yeah, um, and eat, like just eat all of the time because there's no way like and high and high carb. So I got this. Yeah. I got the nutrition stuff that Chris Froome used at the last tour, where he did like his amazing stage, and it's got like two to one glucose fructose mix. Everybody, most people that are listening have probably heard about this, but it basically just means your body can absorb more carbohydrate. Okay, cool. And if you haven't tried it before, it's worth worth giving a couple of runs before you uh, try your everything attempt. Try it out first because it can. Some people it can affect the stomach a little bit, can't it? Yeah, I had terrible indigestion from like hour two onwards. Um, it was like it, digestively, it was a very uncomfortable experience, but I didn't run out of energy towards the end, which I think is probably quite hard to do during an everything attempt because. Even like with that stuff, there's no way that you can put carbohydrate into your body as fast as you're using it. Yeah, that's that's cool. And what what, what about what about fluids? I mean, how did how did you fill water bottles up, and what, what how much were you drinking? Um, I think I was drinking like a, I think I got through eight bottles. Um, I had okay. my dad refill them. I, I took six, but my dad came a bit later on and refilled them for me i also refilled oh, one wow. yeah, you only had eight bottles for the whole the whole the whole and a bottle an hour i suppose eight to ten maybe yeah would, okay probably not i think my nutrition i got pretty spot on and i wouldn't recommend people eating more carbohydrates than that um, unless yeah. you're significantly heavier most people can't digest more than that 90 grams anyway but water I did not drink a lot and me and Rory are both Rory especially is well known for not drinking anything on rides I'd recommend probably that most people drink more than me on an Everest okay okay <laughs> good a good tip and what about I mean were you sort of fastidious in terms of your your mechanical setup your but I mean what what sort of wheels and bike and tires were you using or did you just sort of take the bike out and give it a crack i just took the bike but this is a big bugbear of rory's and maybe other other of my friends as well that i didn't do any of that we'd got plans for like the proper everest attempt that i was going to borrow rory's light wheels and i was going to wear aero kit etc um i was maybe going to borrow an aero helmet and i didn't do any of that i just had my bike as it was <laughs> i love that Anna. that's uh that's amazing it's and it just goes to show right with with so many people sort of obsessing around marginal gains that actually you can still go and smash a world record just uh, by jumping in your bike and giving it a crack definitely not the most important thing yeah the most important thing is i'd say the most important thing and this won't come as a surprise is the training in the run-up yeah so what just the the number of hours you did or tough rides or what did the training look like in the run-up the training was actually the reason that i chose i didn't do the training for the everest attempt the reason that i chose the Everest to do the everest attempt was that my training had coincidentally been perfect for it over the past like two months my training has basically been going out with rory for long rides and riding reasonably hard up climb so that he's not waiting for too long but I don't burn myself out and then getting to the top and being told to eat something so that I can keep going and then getting on the wheel and Rory just riding hard on the front so that we can make some progress okay great so the perfect training storm for an Everest attempt yeah okay good and now I've got to ask you when are you going to make Rory give it a go himself he's he's surely got to give an Everesting attempt to go right 
Yeah, we were. We we thought the seven forty, the previous record, was very doable. So I was trying to persuade him um, to do it, like in a couple of months or so. At the moment, he's not doing the right training for it. He's doing harder. He's doing quite a lot of hard efforts with very easy riding in between. So we think it'd be like a couple of months of training for him to be in good shape for it. But we're a bit. He's he's considering it, is he? Yeah, although we were definitely very much considering it when the record was 740. I'm looking at the power data on that that ride as well. The 733 looks that looks tough. Yes, but it's next level, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's a ridiculous ride. <laughs> so obviously, you and Rory have had some success on the continent uh, with some of the the Grand Fondos, both incredible climbers. I know that that you were planning on doing some some travelling this year, but current situations have sort of curtailed that. What, what are your sort of racing and riding plans in the future, or is it everything just a little bit too uncertain at the moment to to say? Well, I am quite taken by the Everesting. Like, I do like a long, hard day out on the bike where you're working so hard that you don't have to think about things too much. Um, yeah. I think in terms of it's more difficult to make racing plans involving other people. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're hoping that Taiwan might go ahead, the KOM Challenge. That's October, isn't it? That, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, October, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think actually there's uh, David Lloyd from Velo Vietnam, who I've had on the podcast before. I think they're looking at doing a KOM in, in Vietnam as well this year. So you might want to have a little look at that. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I'll connect, I'll connect you off air. And have you thought about um, some of these sort of longer uh, gravel races or anything like that? Because that might suit your engine or what are your views on a, a doing Dirty Kanza or some of these sort of longer endurance off-road races? off Oh, off-road is something that neither of us have ever ventured into I think just mainly on account of being very wussy I know that these are not long like long rides that would probably be overly technical but me in particular like I'm very bad when it gets a tiny tiny bit technical okay okay <laughs> so you like you prefer the, you prefer the slick tarmac yeah I like to be like I, I like I like being off road and obviously I did like, I did some foul running when I was younger and I really liked that but I kind of like to be on my yeah, bike yeah. on the slick tarmac or on my feet off the road off the road okay fair enough well you'll you'll absolutely love the the tarmac in in um in Taiwan it's it's it seems to be just sort of immaculate everywhere you ride even if you just when you land into Taipei you can go straight out of Taipei up the volcano it's absolutely like silky smooth roads everywhere and the, all the drivers are incredibly friendly and accommodating it's bizarre the first time i went there i was going up a climb and a car sort of slowed up next to me and i was like oh here we go expecting a bit of a, abuse from the rider but they sort of wound their windows down and were sort of cheering me up the climb so it's a very different environment out there it's a great place to ride your bike it sounds so different to the uk <laughs> yeah very different to the uk very different to the uk which is cool so um we we try i tried to coax it out even a little bit in terms so you think that you're going to give everything another crack how long did it how long does it take to to get over such an effort like that and when do you think you'll be ready physically and mentally to give it another go it's quite difficult to tell how much the effort took it out of me physically because I had some celebratory drinks the day after and then the day after that I had some more celebratory drinks and I haven't really been drinking at all for like the past three months feeling pretty rough but it's difficult to tell how much is just being hungover and how much is from the Everest attempt. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think for me, the Everest attempt wasn't 
because I was so used to doing the long hard rides I think it would have maybe taken me like a week two weeks to get over physically okay mentally I'm yeah just gonna say mentally uh, how how is it gonna, how fresh are you feeling now mentally I could go out and do it again I think I don't, don't think it would bother me like to just redo the effort but I wouldn't because I'd I don't if I was going to do it to go back for the record I'd want to do it knowing that I could definitely go faster than I did before and that kind of that that I think requires me to like recover recover enough to train do it again which is a longer process so I think to recover physically and mentally to do it is like a month maybe for me but to recover and get better is maybe like two months yeah it's interesting isn't it it's like you want to I suppose emotionally you probably just want to get cracking and give it another go but then you need to sort of be disciplined and restrained and and plan the best way forward when you're sort of beating world tour riders to world records it's uh it's a little bit less emotional a little bit more scientific I suppose yeah in the planning so obviously you you completed the ride you had I think a little bit of time to wait till it till it was um, sort of confirmed the world record. Then what happened? I mean, your whole world must have gone. I mean, obviously you're a very well known rider, particularly in the Grand Fondo scene. But you 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 basically beaten a succession of world tour riders to a world record. Has your phone been nonstop? What's happened? What is what's it been like since you broke the record? Um, I got a lot of like a lot of Facebook notifications and a lot of Strava notifications and a lot of people following me on Instagram who were going to be sorely okay. disappointed because I n- never posted anything on Instagram. <laughs> well, but yeah, but it's uh, and you've had lots of phone calls and, and have you had reporters calling you up and stuff or what's what's, uh, what's no, been the sort of general? A... No. There the, are a couple of I've had a couple a couple of friends contacted me straight away to try and put me in touch with people from cycling magazines. Um, yeah. And then I, so I waited for I was waiting for a bit like the day afterwards for Cycling Weekly to contact me. Um, and yeah. then the Cycling Tips article came out, followed by like a succession of other articles, which was kind of cool, but didn't actually involve anybody contacting me. No, so they just, yeah, it's interesting. They, they, I think that's, yeah, the, the pressure to get content out so quickly. Yeah. They, they, they don't sort of ask you for a quote, which is uh, which is bizarre because it's such an interesting story given given who you've taken the record from and, and uh, the background of those riders as well. It's uh, it's amazing, really. Yeah, I think I might do, uh, the, there might be an article coming. So they did get, one of the magazines did get in touch with me after they'd run the initial one to say that they could run it. They might want to feature on it at a later date where they've got when they've got space for it so I think that one might be a bit more in depth and would you be tempted to sort of take it I know that people have done double Everesting attempts but I spoke to Yanto Barker last week on the podcast and he gave trenching an attempt which is the the height of the Mariana Trench I think that's Everest plus a third would you be tempted to give that a crack and try and make that a bit of a global trend Oh, I feel like making it a global. I'd be tempted to give it a crack. I feel like making it a global trend might be difficult. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, I'd also be interested to know how. Like, obviously, I don't have a good handle on it due to everything that went on afterwards. I would be interested to know how much more time it takes to recover from an Everest versus like a normal big six-hour Sunday ride, and then again, how much more time it would take to recover from that additional effort. Because that might change the way I think about it as well. Yeah, I think whether it's worth it or not. Yeah. Maybe we need to 
need to get some scientists to run the numbers over it potentially um, to see see how that figures out. And have you had sort of have you had interesting sort of race teams sort of uh, reach out to you and say, have you thought about doing some racing or anything like that since since the record went? No, I haven't. Um, a couple of my friends thought that I might do, but it's like I don't, haven't done a lot of racing other than the Grand Fondo racing. So I'd be quite I'd be quite a big risk for any team to take on. I think. Yeah, but I wonder. Yeah, just just to see that. Obviously, you have incredible aerobic talent, but I'm sure there's probably scouts out there thinking, "Oh, hang on, let's get you into the uh, I don't know GB team or whatever." Or have have a little look at you, run the numbers over you, see what you're doing. Yeah, I don't know. I also guess it's kind of it's difficult times for any especially the women's teams that might be intro like I'm never going to be a track rider for GB um especially for the continental women's team it's probably not a great time for them to be um putting anyone else on their team if you see yeah exactly it's uh well financial financial pressures for the sport as a whole I think at the moment which is um which is difficult and just just your views just just generally on on cycling more within the uk and and as a as a as a female rider like what are your views in terms of the increased numbers of people we've seen on the bike and how, how do you feel that we can grow the sort of broader participation of of cycling within the uk men or women i think like the uptake by women in the uk and just all over the world in the past like 10 years has been massive as it is yeah and how how can we support that though? Because I've seen it definitely an increase by women as well during lockdown, which is just brilliant to see. But how, how can we continue to ensure that happens post post lockdown and and long into the future and continues to grow the sport? Um, I don't know. I can't can't say that it's anything that I can't say that it's something that I've massively thought about. I guess it it is just especially in the UK, it, it is just a direct product of the like the sport being so successful so like team sky and everything um and just having i guess that's probably about having having an inspiration and that's kind of where i was going with with the question really i think i think and that's why it's it's obviously for you to smash the record hopefully that's incredibly inspiring for women all over the UK just to get on their bikes and not necessarily go for an everything world record but just just to show that you know it's it's an enjoyable sport for all it really should be an enjoyable sport for, for everyone and everyone can gain so much of just getting out on the bike it's such an enjoyable activity and pastime isn't it yeah I think I guess in answer to your original question it's probably just about having like a good wide variety of role models so like having Chris Froome and Geraint Thomas win the tour is obviously great for like a subset like as a role model for a subset of guys that just want to get out and ride their bikes hard but it's also it's good to have people like doing like normal people doing longer Everest attempts and then it's probably it's good to it's like there's a there's a whole other which we I, I don't really see that much or I don't know how much of it you see but there's there's a whole other growing culture of like more people just more women especially just getting out on easy social rides and like this girl can and I think that's really important too and we should be supporting that as well yeah that's that's, that's essentially what I mean it's not about breaking world records it's just enjoying everything that the bike gives you even if that's just you know 
cutting out the car for the short the short two mile commute and jumping on the bike to you know go see your friends or, or whatever I think um, there's so much to be gained and hopefully we can see that transition post lockdown I think it'd be brilliant to see that yeah I hope that like I hope that generally we right although I don't know how much of this will happen I would hope that generally post lockdown we could move towards a bit more of an active um an active less like yes and more active less like less commuting less maybe like a, a little bit less pressure and rigidity at work I think all of that would help just giving people like the mental space to spend a bit more time getting active and that that would probably feed back into like be us being a bit more productive and healthier as a society yeah it's trying to break that catch 22 actually when yeah. when people look after their own mental welfare and their own their, their own physical body as well that they're actually probably more productive in the workplace so it's just trying to hopefully use that is cycling therapeutic for you as well as obviously using it from a physical training perspective do you get a lot you say you're normally a thinker on the bike is it your escape is it is that what you use cycling for as as well yeah it's therapeutic to an extent once you start to get into like once you start to get into the real performance side of cycling it gets that's one of the things that I find hardest about the performance is that you do lose some of that. The more that you focus on the performance, you lose some of that therapeutic effect. Me, a big part of the therapeutic effect of being on the bike is just that you're just going out. You're not worrying about anything. You're just outside and it's nice. And obviously, the minute that performance comes into that, you start to be a little bit, you're thinking about that, basically. It's hard to retain it, isn't it, when you've got to do yeah. so many efforts, the next zone or that 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 effort for that long. It ch- kind of changes the dynamic somewhat, which is uh, it's trying to, hard to retain that balance. But I, th- I think that was one of the issues that, again, talking about everything record going yesterday, Lachlan Morton, I think when he first got onto the World Tour, I think he struggled with that and transitioned to being so rigid and scientific and he kind of lost what he fell in love with the sport by in the first place, really. Yeah, that's interesting. And he seems like an interesting guy because he does seem like he's now found like a good a good balance of like yeah. obviously competing at an incredibly high level. But like he does some other he does some other stuff which looks really interesting and probably it's like a lot more therapeutic than this. Yeah, definitely. And I think he's helping grow the sport as well. He's he's inspirational and I and I think it's easy not to appreciate that, but it's important. And I know Johnny Vortas has come out and said that, you know, we need heroes and, and people for aspire to which is exactly what you said I mean even I've got two young daughters and, and obviously when Rory messaged me and told me about you breaking the record I was able to tell them and, and you probably don't appreciate just that that knock-on effect there was sort of completely in awe about it and they had sort of a thousand questions for me to ask you know how you did it and stuff like that so I, I think it you know you know having people that do amazing things is, is a great way to inspire younger people to pick up the bike or just to get outside you know get out from in front of the television and go play outside and go exercise and go and do all these different things yeah yeah I think it's good to have I've like found certain I've found people coming out of the pro peloton in the past couple of years like Black Morton and other people that just look like like they might be doing like a hell of a lot of hard training but they also just look like they're not not taking it like maybe as seriously as someone like Chris Boone, but they're just like really like they're working hard and they're really enjoying it. I find that quite inspiring. Yeah, no, it is inspiring. 
Well, have you have I have I missed anything else? Is there anything that that you wanted to? I tend to go off on on tangents and and get a little bit lost. So, is there anything that I've forgotten to mention or anything you'd like to bring up yourself? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah, yeah. So recovery now and then and then potentially looking to to get back into to another effort in two months' time. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Will you let us know how you're getting on? Yeah, hopefully no women or UK men. Although that might be less less. Yeah, that might be more to be expected that a UK man might put it out of reach. But hopefully a woman doesn't put it out of reach for me. It's a hard target. You bought, you beat the previous record by, was it 50 minutes? 49. 49 minutes. So that's, that's a, I mean, to talk about nudging the record forward. That is, that's a big kick down the road, not a nudge forward. So it's an incredible effort. Huge congratulations again. I think, uh, you know, I think w- w- in a world where we haven't got racing to follow and watch, which is, you know, really with the racing calendar, both the, the men's and women's races, it becomes how you mark your year, really. You've sort of, oh, you know, the spring classics are coming and the tours in July and all this kind of stuff. So to have all these uh, Everest attempts and all these different things, it's it's quite fun to watch. And I think it's uh, it, it's good for us all to see the, the bar being pushed further and further down the line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So um, race wheels and aero suit for the next attempt. Yeah, I think so. Not a, a cool aero suit, not one with long sleeves. Actually, that reminds me. We well, we'll have to we'll have to have a think about an aero suit. But um, obviously, I haven't said thank you very much. You, you you completed the record in your unfound top. Oh yeah, I love it. It's like my what well, it was. It was my favourite jersey for a while. But I've since bought one that I really like. So they're competing now. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, I'm, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. But we're we're very proud to. Uh, have had you worn the jersey for for the world record i should have mentioned that earlier in the podcast but now it's awesome to see thank you although i did get quite a lot of the one of the problems that i came across with my nutrition was like getting things out of the wrapper so i did i ended up just putting them in my back pocket not in the wrapper so the jersey isn't in such good shape as it was pre-everest attempt (laughs) <laughs> okay well that's good to know we're actually in the process of thinking out about uh potentially bringing out a new kit so we'll have to once we got that we'll have to get you a, a set for to to represent ah great that's kind of that's what i was nudging for <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, i i yeah i should have picked up that a little bit quicker but okay cool we'll get we'll get that out to you um and i know you're as well as uh sort of trading you're you're also working at the moment as well so i really appreciate you taking the time to stop by and have a bit of a chat with us and and do send our best to Rory as well we should get we should get Rory on the podcast and uh, put a little bit more pressure on him giving uh, the men's record an attempt in the next few weeks as well yeah I'll, I'll let him know good excellent all right enjoy your riding thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us and please let, let's catch up soon yeah okay thanks for having me thanks Anna bye bye thanks for listening please subscribe to the podcast And more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.